Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 230, Negotiating Medical Debt with Dr. Virgie Bright-Ellington. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And I am so excited about this one. I have always wanted to talk about medical debt, but never, I am not an expert in it. And it's so hard to find an expert into it. So when Dr. Virgie reached out to us, I was elated. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. We say we're excited about every interview, and that's not wrong. We're not lying. We are. That's, but yeah. this one is over the moon for many, many, many reasons. And mm-hmm. we are already anticipating this is going to be a fan fave because it's Absolutely. something that we, many of us have dealt with or family members have dealt with and unsure of what to do. There's so much red tape and systems you have to be aware of. And just being equipped with knowledge can be so, so helpful. And from an expert, I just cannot wait to get into this and share this with our community. Yeah, this is one everyone should listen to. Tell tell your wife, tell your kids, tell your neighbor. (laughs) And yeah. Start knocking on doors, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Spread this message. Spread the message. This episode is brought to us also by that old forgotten 401k. Mm, Have you ever she's left? so lonely. She's, she's old and forgotten. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's remember her <laughs> and make her not, not forgotten she's anymore. She's not dead. She's, she's not dead. She's still there and she's not that old. Have you ever left a job <laughs> and didn't know what to do with that 401k or similar retirement plan? Is it still sitting there forgotten, kind of old, getting aging, <laughs> at least aging, neglected? Aging. You're not alone. There are currently over 24 million k- kind of forgotten, quote unquote, forgotten 401k accounts, housing almost $1.3 trillion of assets. That's an amount of money that we really can't even fathom. Your old 
old 401k is begging you to stop ignoring it and roll it over into an IRA. If you have no idea or time to figure out what a rollover is, never fear. Capitalize is here. Capitalize is an independent platform that helps you find and roll over an old 401k into an IRA of your choice for free. We love that word. Your old 401k doesn't know it. This service will be free forever, but you should take advantage of it while it is. So start your rollover today at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash capitalize. Yeah. Uh, it's it's awesome. I had my mom do it. Uh, yeah, I, I did Travis it for my it. mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it for Travis. But it's not that so hard. It it's works. not because it's that hard. It's, it's not. just it's like yeah. she had other things to do. So yeah. Uh, so if you want to queue up um, a few other episodes after this one, and so these are old episodes, y'all. So episode 45, Negotiating Tips for Lowering Bills, uh, and episode 12, How to Save Money on Healthcare. So in there, we, we talk about some like health insurance, healthcare sharing, and preventative care. But we don't talk about this a lot because we don't have a lot of experience negotiating medical debt. I, I was able to negotiate my some pregnancy medical costs. And so it is so easy to do. You just have to know what to say and how to say it. And you now have to know what to look for. But it's really so overwhelming. And so Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington she is an internal medicine physician and billing expert. Uh, she is a patient advocate. She practiced more than 20 years in primary care and psychiatric care. And she has been a health insurance executive. And so now she helps patients understand complex medical procedures, uh, how to communicate effectively with healthcare providers, and avoid the financial devastation that comes from crushing medical bills. She's the author of the What Your Doctor Wants You to Know series, and she's a wealth of information. What an amazing human being. And here we have her. So enough of us. Let's get to Dr. Virgie. Dr. Virgie, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. It is a honor and pleasure to have you on. You know what, ladies, it is my honor and pleasure. And I've been following you guys for a few years. I've been on your listserv. I'm trying to think of how many years it's been, but I know it was like way before the pandemic. So when I saw you guys have a podcast, I'm like, hey, the world is small. This is awesome. Life is good. So we're just fanning on each other, but mostly we are here to highlight you, Dr. Virgie, your knowledge and experience and what you have to share with our listeners today. So thanks for being here and sharing what you know. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So let's dive in. You are an expert on medical billing and medical debt. So I know the first thing people will usually get is a surprise charge on their bills. That's happened so often. How should people handle surprise charges on their medical bills? So a surprise charge, we call surprise billing, is actually a formal description. There's an actual uh, the, the term surprise bill or surprise billing refers in actuality to cases in which you have insurance and you go to get care at a facility and maybe you had the option, it was an elective thing and you had a knee surgery had planned or unfortunately if you had an emergency and you go to a facility and you know that they take your insurance, when 
you don't have any choice of the physicians that are involved with your care. Physicians that you have no choice in choosing, like the ER doc, the anesthesiologist, the radiologist who reads the x-ray of your broken to determine if your bone is broken. If you had the elective surgery, they take tissue, they send it off. Anything that's taken from the human body, they'll send it off to pathology for a physician to look at it under the microscope to make sure it's not, it's always benign, meaning non-cancerous versus they don't see any cancer cells. Those are all folks, those are all physicians that you don't have any choice in picking. And if they are out of network, that means that they'll send you a bill for their whole full retail price and you're stuck with it. So this has been an issue because um, there are business models. There are There's private equity, there are corporations whose business model is to say, okay, we're going to hire all these docs who you have no choice in picking when you go to the hospital or you need care. And we're going to charge them full price, which is often tens and tens. And, and I, I can't explain how outrageous the numbers are when they don't take insurance. They take no insurances. That's their business model. And you go in thinking that you've done all of your research to make sure that you're in network with this facility, but they hire physicians who are not. That results in a surprise bill. So how do we, when we, do we have any power over that either before or after? Yep. The great news is as of January 1st of this year, a bill was passed. It's now federal law where if you have insurance and you go to an in-network provider and you are given, sent a bill by other physicians that are involved with your care who do not accept your insurance, they have to negotiate directly with the insurance company to work out a payment. You know, work out, is it going to be the in-network rate that they usually pay? Or are they going to pay a little bit of a premium? Whatever it is, the patient is out of the middle. So until now, until January 1st um, of this year, there were a few states that had, you know, bills were in that state that you could not get a surprise bill. Uh, well, it was illegal in that state to charge uh, patients who, um, you, if they're out of network, if you charge them out of network um, prices. But now it's a federal law. So that's how you protect yourself. You make sure that if you've gotten a bill from, you go to get care and you've gotten a bill where it says, you know what, we're not in network with your provider. Uh, well, um, uh, with your insurance rather. Well, not my problem anymore. As of January 1, 2022, you're going to put them in touch. Then they know this. The providers know this. They have to deal with your insurance directly and leave the patient out instead of having the patient holding the bag, which has been the case for eons until now. So if you get that bill, if we get that bill in the mail and we realize this, we've now listened to Dr. Virgie and we know a bill has passed and we're not responsible for this. Would that just be us reminding the provider of that law? And please talk to my insurance company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to my insurance company. You know, they say, talk to the hand, uh, talk to my insurance company. I, I'm out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I really like to use this as an opportunity to talk about there's a reason why this is the reason why there's only one right way to pay a medical bill. And that's because usually, unfortunately, I would say nine times out of 10, a medical care facility will send you a bill that's not a real bill. And they do that because they know it works. We panic 
and we'll figure out how to pay this off. So I'm going to take you through the one right way to pay a medical bill. There's three steps. And in this process, um, Jillian, we're going to say, okay, you know what? By doing this process of the one right way of paying a medical bill, going through the three steps, we're not going to get caught by any tricks like surprise billing. So it's the one right way to pay a medical bill will protect you from, among other things, um, surprise billing. So the one thing you want to do when you get up any medical bill is to look to make sure that it's an accurate or itemized bill. And what I'm calling now a real bill. A real bill has what's called CPT codes. CPT codes are just like barcodes. When you go into a store, every product has a barcode, right? You take that product, you run it through the scanner, and it'll tell you, it'll identify, you know, some um, description of the product and the price that the facility is charging for that particular product. Same thing with CPT codes. Every single medical service in the United States has a CPT code. And I won't bore you with what CPT stands for. There are people who work in the insurance company I know for years and they can't remember what CPT stands for. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, it has a long name, you know, common procedural terminology, which is why we don't use, we just call it CPT codes. And I was talking to a radio host a couple of months ago and he says, you know what, we should call it can't pay this. That's what CPT is just for. Can't pay this. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, so oh yeah, you, <laughs> right. <laughs> so you get um, a medical bill and you make sure it has CPT codes at the top. You'll see CPT at the top, and under it, CPT codes are usually like a five-digit number describing a service. So that's what you're going to do. You're going to first step is call your provider and get a real bill. So what I've, I've been talking about this, and this is one of those things that's been bugging me this week. I'm realizing, you know, these bills that we often get that consumers, the American patient, the public gets are just not bills. They're kind of like wishful thinking. They're like, oh, maybe they'll pay it. If we send them this with no CPT codes and it has a description and that's it, you know, they think that it's a real bill but it's not. So first step, always call to make sure you get a real bill, which is um, an itemized bill, basically fancy name for a bill with CPT codes. And that takes you to the second step. When you get that bill with CPT codes, you're going to take it and Google the codes to make sure that each of the codes describes the service that you think you got or services that you think you received during your stay or during your visit. Great. Once you get those codes, what will come up is a description. Awesome. And you're making sure that that uh, makes sense in terms of what you got, making sure you're not getting double bill, that kind of thing, or bill for something you know that you didn't get. Then you're going to take those codes and you're going to continue to Google, but this time you're going to Google what Medicare pays for each of those codes, for each of those services. So Medicare is federal government care, healthcare. And CMS, which stands for Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, has a standard list of things that they pay for each CPT code, right? The thing is, is that I consider Medicare the basic flat rate. So there are a lot of people who um, do this kind of work, meaning trying to help people with who are struggling with medical bills, educating the American public in terms of medical financial literacy. And they say, well, okay, we look this up, 
but we're going to agree to pay two times the Medicare rate. And that takes us down to step three. I disagree. I think start at Medicare, start at the Medicare price. That's the, pr- the point where you're going to negotiate. Don't go straight to negotiation without doing the first two steps because you're being overcharged. Their retail rates are often 300 to 500% more than what Medicare pays. And so when I say, you know what, I started the Medicare rate. When I say step three, that's the number you're going to start when you call back the medical billing department or the patient accounts department of the facility and say, you know what, this is what I can afford. These are the services I got. This is what I'm able to pay. I think this is fair from my research and the care that I received. Now, some folks, like I was saying, um, thinks, you know, think that two times Medicare rate is a good place to start. And that's because if you call some of these facilities, you're going to get pushback. And the general thought is the general pushback is, well, if everybody paid Medicare rates or paid the Medicare prices, we wouldn't be able to stay in business. We wouldn't be able to um, provide care to everyone. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. And even so, not my problem. Not my problem. If I have a budget, which takes me to step three, you're going to call back the provider's office, billing department, patient accounts office, and ask for, number one, an interest-free payment plan that fits your budget. And this is really important because people get upset when they think about how long it's going to take them to pay off a bill. They said, oh my gosh, it's going to take me five years, seven years, 10 years, and so what? Right. So the reason why you, you make you're going to get probably pushback when you call back the department uh, billing department and say, hey, this is what I'm willing to pay. You know, I need an interest free payment plan. They're going to say, you know, well, this is a, a ten thousand dollar bill and, you know, you paying us two hundred fifty dollars a month. This is going to take us forever to pay it off. Can you do, you know, we just, that's just too, that's just too little. And this will take us too long to get paid. Um, can you do three fifty? Uh, no, I can only do 250. And the reason why you want to stick with that is because if you make an agreement with the um, care facility, it doesn't get reported to credit agencies, right? It's it's blind. It doesn't um, impact your credit report at all, which is awesome. But if you agree to any payment plan and you can't make a payment, they will automatically, really quickly, I'm surprised how fast they do it. They'll send it right to collections to debt. They'll sell it to a debt collections for pennies on the dollar. So you may say, okay, well, why wouldn't they, why would they agree to take so little over a long period of time? And I say the reasons why you want to stick with your budget when you're calling the facility and talking about the payment plan that you need is because as they say, a little bit of something is better than all of nothing, right? Mm -hmm. They know it's cheaper to, you know, to take it, you know, instead of having to chase you potentially and or have to sell it if they have to chase you long enough for pennies on the dollar, you know, to a collections agency. So those are the three steps for the one right way to pay a medical bill. That's so helpful. And at the end of the day, you have already gone through the first two steps where you are equipped with knowledge. You've been able to get rid of any bills or itemized line 
pieces that you are not actually obligated to pay. You've lowered the rate. And then if it is still too much for you to be able to pay outright that interest-free portion, Uh, of course, none of us like having those payments, but if it's interest-free, that makes a big difference, especially as mm-hmm. it concerns healthcare, things that we need to stay alive. We're not just talking about some luxury item. Exactly. It's not consumer debt. Yeah. And, right. you know, the current um, administration is realizing hey, you know what? We need to treat it as such. Medical debt, medical bills are not a choice. Student loans, at the end of the day, is a choice. But, you know, none of us has to get here, right? None of us has to be born. And once we get here, we're living creatures and we get sick. Things happen. We have accidents. And so it's not consumer debt. And I'm glad that the administration is trying to teach folks that, hey, we need to treat medical bills differently than consumer bills, Mm -hmm. uh, medical debt different than consumer debt. Well, and it carries so much anxiety because not only are you managing physical health problems, but also financial difficulties too, depending on the amount of money that's owed and whether or not insurance is covering it or you're able to pay. And so I think we've got a couple of layers here of just receiving a bill that might be overwhelming that we can't really pay, but then that can stack up to medical debt as you're describing here. And I know even before we got on, you were even beginning to talk about preventative measures. So talking about preventative, but as well as maybe even reactive, because sometimes we find ourselves there. What are some of your tips when we are deep into some medical debt? What can be done? One of the things, you know, I, I like to, you know, remind folks about is that you know, it's not your fault. And, and you think that, oh my gosh, it's scary. It's complicated. You know, I'm screwed. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. I can't pay this. And many people have. So the first thing I tell folks is that um, it's not your fault. And yes, there are things you can do. So yes, go through. And well, let me just say one more thing. The reason why we also panic is because and often panic, in addition to all of this is that this happens to us when we're at our most vulnerable, when we're sick, in pain, scared, afraid, unable to work, you know, uh, whether we have insurance or not, uh, most of us get over our insurance or our employers. If we miss enough work because of the illness or the accident, we'll lose our job and therefore our insurance. So that there's a so multiple, many reasons why um, folks in this country get taken advantage of by the, the system, this, you know, uh, healthcare industry and in our country, for-profit healthcare industry in our country. So what I tell people, number one, is to step back. And if you're able to pull all of your bills, don't ignore the bills. You know, if you can be ahead of it and call them first, the billing department first, as I explained, and go back and ask for real bills. And a real bill has a CPT code. The other thing I tell folks is to make sure that you're not confusing a real bill with, because you're not, you're not confusing a real bill with, if you have insurance and explanation of benefits or an EOB, and I've gotten multiple calls and examples of um, where folks will say, I got this bill from my insurance company. No, you're not going to get a bill from your insurance company. What you received is a notice of what they paid 
and, and or what they're saying they're not going to pay and what you're going to be responsible for. And you're going to have to deal with the provider yourself. So I make sure that I ask folks to pull out anything that says, usually it'll say it right across on the front page and subsequent pages, this is not a bill. Those, those are EOBs, your explanation of benefits. So pull that out and then pull out the actual bills that don't have that that's uh, at the top, that's not from your insurance company if you have insurance, and call the provider, ask for the real bill with CPT codes. And then... If it's less than, uh, I tell people this all the time, if it's less than six months out from the services that you received, you can still go back and apply for financial assistance. And in some cases, even Medicaid, uh, depending on the state that you're in, you can go back and apply for Medicaid if your income is low enough for bills that are six months, less than six months old. So that's one option. Often we're kind of in between that. We're not at the point where we have to say, okay, you know what? I have zero income. I need to consider applying for Medicaid. Most of us are in the position where we've gone to a healthcare facility that is nonprofit. Most of the majority of healthcare facilities, hospital, medical systems in this country are nonprofit. And I stop calling it nonprofit. Uh, I call it tax exempt. Uh, because they really have a lot of surplus. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. 65% <laughs> of, right? Exactly. Right. So 65% of hospitals in the United States are tax exempt, AKA nonprofit. And in exchange for the, by federal law for tax exempt nonprofit status, they provide sliding scale income-based discounts to the the um, the public and the community that they serve. So what this means is many bills that you get, if you just go to them and say, look, call up the office and say, look, this is the research. I got a, the real bill with CPT codes. I've researched it. This is what I can afford to pay and for how long. You call them up and say, yeah, you know, this is what I can do. You'd be surprised that although by law, they're supposed to make it post it publicly, nonprofit facilities that of what the process is to apply for financial aid. And a lot of people don't like that term financial aid, you know, but, you know, they think of it as charity care has different euphemisms, right? Charity care, financial assistance, financial aid, it's all income-based discounts. And if you have, you'd be surprised at the high income you can have if your bill is high enough you may able to get it completely wiped off just based on your income. I've seen a bill as little as, I think it was like $13,000. I don't mean little, but compared to their income, the person had like $150,000 gross income uh, that they showed on, you know, they're, they're, you're going to be asked to show documents and things. Um, and based on their income uh, and the bill, the bill was so large in relationship to their income the whole thing, the whole bill was wiped away. Wow. Wow. Now, if you had not, right, if you had not been aware that you have rights as if you went to a nonprofit facility, Mm -hmm. tax exempt facility, yeah, you have, you have options. So just because the majority of healthcare facilities in our country are nonprofit, 65% of them, this is an option. Now, someone brought something to my attention. They say that even for profit facilities have financial assistance programs, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get right. So always, always ask. 
AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A few things are standing out to me in what you're describing here. First of all, knowing what you can pay. Of course, once you've realized what you are actually responsible for, because sometimes they might charge you for things you're not responsible for. But then once you figure out this is what I actually owe going to them with a number, which is classic negotiation tip for any type of thing that we're trying to negotiate, having that number, not just going and saying, I don't know, what can you do? And then going from there, but also recognizing that this is available to us and there is no shame in pushing for Mm -hmm. lower rates because you might not actually have to pay that high rate. And why... Why would you if if you're not able to, if the organization, the company, the hospital has ability to give it to you at a discounted rate? I think the thing that stands out to me is just the time and energy that all of this takes, the know-how of going through the paperwork, of finding the phone numbers, of sitting on hold, of doing the research. And, and it's worth it. And, and we've seen that it's worth it. But especially when you might be going through a time that is physically demanding or exhausting and you've got various medical concerns that I think that that's a it's a big deal and and I don't know if there's much that can be said or a magic wand that we can wave over that but community hopefully someone to sit by your side as you're uh, going through all this paperwork but yeah there's there's a couple of layers here yeah um, the, the most difficult about this is that this happens to us, this is done to us, not by accident, just because they know they can get away with it, frankly. And in addition, 
they know they can get away with it more likely because it's when we're at our most vulnerable. You know, we're sick, we're tired, we're scared, we're in pain, we're grieving, you know, and, and why do they do it? Well, it works. It, it works. I was talking um, actually with uh, my husband, who's um, a 35-year law enforcement veteran. And, you know, we talk about, you know, laws, federal laws versus state laws, that kind of thing. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I've been going through a lot of medical bill mistakes and you know, going through, you know, looking at bills and saying, well, this is a mistake. And if you can imagine 80 to 90% of every medical bill and generate in this country has mistakes. And if you can imagine, they're not going to be in the favor of the patient, right? They're going to be in the favor of the provider and or the insurance company. I was talking to him and I said, you know, um, it just hit me. Why should consumers, patients be given bills that don't have CPT codes? If there is zero insurance company in this country that would ever, ever even consider a bill Submit it from the provider that doesn't have CPT codes. Then why do they generate them and send them to the patient? Why do they sip? Why do they generate two different kinds of bills? One that's not a real bill. I call it a summary bill. Sometimes I'll call it a detailed summary bill. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have CPT codes. It's not a real bill. Why generate something separate that you just send the patients? If it's not the same thing that you send the insurance companies, the insurance companies, you always send, if you want to get paid as a provider, you're going to send the insurance companies bills with CPT codes, right? Mm. So why do we generate, why are, why do providers, healthcare facilities generate bills that have no CPT codes to patients? Because it works. And because by law, there's no law requiring them to do it. And I thought, you know what, there needs to be a federal law to um, have the same bill that is sent to, to insurance companies sent to the patient, just so there's no confusion, That's, right? Yeah. And my husband's like, oh, good luck with that, Virg, you know, the political climate. He says, you may be able to do it state by state. He says, you can start somewhere, but I'm like, I love so it. These yeah, are the conversations just, you're having at yeah. home with your husband. Like, go for it. For another you know, day. Go ahead and try it. <laughs> Years down yeah. the road, you know, something else to work on in my spare time, right? Right. Yeah. But it is smart to realize these things because as consumers, we don't know. We don't see a ton of bills. Like if you don't work in the healthcare industry, you have no idea, you know, that what CPT codes are or the huge book full of CPT codes. <laughs> like there's so many of them. There's three so specific. Books, exactly. There's more than 300,000 CPT codes. And you don't have to remember, you don't have to know any of them. You just have to know where to find it. You, you know, it's not, you know, how's it go? It's not what you know, it's, you know, who you know, right? Well, you know, Dr. Google, you'll take a CPT code <laughs> and you'll Google it. You don't need to remember, you don't need to memorize any of them. So I use the analogy, Jen, of going to a car mechanic, right? So your car doesn't work, it's not doing something it's supposed to do. You take it to the mechanic. Well, you don't have to know fancy mechanic words and how the car runs and that kind of thing to know, number one, what you're able to pay for it, right? You don't need to know fancy medical words and CPT codes. You don't have to have them memorized and know what they are to be able to understand what fits in your budget when you have to pay for your care. Mm -hmm. 
I know. I can go to a car dealership and be like, I can't afford a car that's more than $20,000. And they will do, you know, I, they will tell me what I need to compromise on to stay in my budget. Exactly. And it's just not the same with health care. Exactly. That's, you know, Jen, that's the exact, that's the exact analogy I use. I say, you know what, when you go to a car dealership, we know personal financial literacy. We know that if you're buying a new car, old car, you are expected to negotiate. There's just basic things you're supposed to know. And you don't think that, well, I don't know anything about how cars work. I don't know any fancy car terms, but I know that I want like a a big car with a big engine. So I know I want a V8. We don't, you don't have to know how the VA works and all the little fancy things connected to it to know how much you can afford to pay to stay in your budget, to stay in your spending plan mm-hmm. for you and your family. And some of us just want good cup holders. That's all I need. Hey, you know what? <laughs> right. I had to, I didn't want to, but I had to buy a new car. Um, my, my baby, my favorite Bella. I was diagnosed with a terminal disease, so I had to let her go. So I had to get a replacement. I call her Bella Jr. So when I was checking out Bella Jr. at the dealership, the guy was like, hey, and showing me all the features, everything. He says, and it has a sunglass holder for your sunglasses. I was like, ah, sold, done. I kept playing with the sunglasses. <laughs> it's holder. the little things. <laughs> it's the little mm-hmm. things. I'm with you. Yes. I'm with you, Jillian. Yes. <laughs> oh, so... Say somebody has a medical debt that's been that it's been longer than six months and, you know, they've already sent it off to collections. What is a person's move then? Um, should they, you know, it's on their credit report. How do they get it off their credit report? How do they deal with it? What's the next? What's the move there? Okay, so um, this I'm going to talk about the old um, number. So as of July 1st, as of last week, it's less than a week old. Wow. Uh, the three credit reporting agencies um, have to, they have to wipe off, remove, and not report any medical bill or debt that's been paid off that's already in collections, that was in collections. They can't report it anymore. Once you pay it off, it doesn't stay on for seven years like other consumer debt. It gets wiped off as soon as you pay it off. Uh, the other thing is, is that the facilities have to wait now 12 months instead of six months before reporting it to collections or selling it to collections. Oh, wow. So that's awesome news. I just wanted to remind us of, you know, this is something that's new. Um, yeah, I had so, no idea. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, right? Mm, yeah. So, I'm, so this next thing to answer your question, Jen, refers to prior to any bills that Um, came up before uh, July 1, 2022, before last week. So what you would do is you really want to call and make sure that you owe that. um, Let me back up. If they call you, when they call you, say, hey, you owe this. It's in collections. You want to make sure you really owe it. So they have to prove by law. There's a federal law that's been in effect since the late 70s. It's called the Fair Debt Practices, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act that says that if you get called by a debt collector, they have to show, send you documentation that you signed for the service or product. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to go just OG on them, just old school and say, Hey, look, I don't know anything about that. You need to send that to me in writing. Show me my signature where I agreed to pay for this, that I, I received the service. Show me that. Mm. So if they don't show you that they don't send it to you in writing, you don't know it. Mm. 
the second thing is, okay, so let's say they send it to you and you owe it. There are credit repair agencies that say, you know what, you're better off just working with, let me back up, they're consumer uh, journalists and folks that, you know, have experience in doing this work in, in consumer debt to say, you know what, instead of paying it off with the debt collector, just work with a, a credit repair service business company um, because your credit has already been deemed. Mm-hmm. So they suggest, you know what, maybe you don't even want to pay it off because it's already hit your report, your credit report and, and deemed your, your credit number. Um, your FICO score. So some people suggest doing that. Um, others say, you know what, work out a, a payment plan, you know, negotiate with them. And, you know, they bought it for pennies. So, you know, they're going to get a little bit of something. And again, a little bit of something is better than nothing. If you found out you did, you went through the steps, you found out you did owe it. You really, if you can, if you can, this is more difficult to do to get the real bill with your signature with CPT codes. That That's ideal. But if they have a signature from you and it looks like, okay, yes, this documentation I signed for these medical, uh, these care services, eh, um, if you can, I go back to step three, applying the three steps again. If they can't give you CPT codes, then, you know, with the, you know, the documentation that they have, that you think that you really do owe, you receive those services, take it down. Step two, what the services you receive, what prices Medicare pays for it, or you can go up to two times Medicare rate if you're so inclined to start there with your step three negotiation. Say, okay, I'm able to do this interest-free because you've already dinged my credit, interest-free payment plan, and it doesn't matter how long it takes you stay in your budget. Don't let them mm. wipe out your, frankly, you know, Americans want to, we love our nurses and we appreciate our docs. You know, they save, they can save our lives and we're grateful, but just because the facility and or the providers saved your life doesn't mean that you should destroy your financial life and give up your life to pay them. Right. So don't give up your, don't, compromise or risk your ability to get to work, the roof over your head. So make sure you can make your mortgage, you have a budget, your spending plan that includes your budget, I mean, your mortgage or your rent, your car payment, your ability to get back and forth to work. Medical bills come last, frankly. You've got to make sure that you stay with your ability to stay healthy. And if you're financially stressed, you're you're not going to stay healthy. So protect your ability to keep a roof over your head, your ability to get to and from work, pay those bills first, and then work out something that you can cover those um, that medical debt collection is saying that you owe. But some people say, mm, if you've already gotten, if it's already gone to collections, it's already dinged your credit score, consider that I'm not an expert in this and I'm not suggesting one or another, but some folks say once it's gone to debt, uh, collectors consider working with a credit repair agency or business yeah. company. Just yeah, definitely. If you're going to go that route, make sure it's a non not for profit like company. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Thank you yeah. for bringing that up. That's that's important. Yeah. 
So I've heard and I've I've experienced getting like a pay in full discount. Do you recommend the interest free payment plan over possibly getting a pay in full discount for either a bill or a debt? That's up to you. Once only, okay. only, only, only after you've gone through the three steps. If you've mm-hmm. done the first two steps, sure. You know, okay. whatever works for you. Say, so, yeah, okay, I've done the three steps. First step, the, I got the CPT codes describing the services that I received. Number two, I took those codes and found out what Medicare pays for those services. And so this is a fair price. So you go to three. Okay, this is what I'm willing to pay. So let's say that... Um, I got sent a bill and this is not unusual. You got sent a bill for $10,000 and you worked out the numbers, you know, did the three steps, the first two steps and you Googled, ah, actually uh, Medicare pays, you know, $3,000 for these services. Well, you call them back and you say, you know what, if I pay you in full 3,000, will you take it? This is what Medicare pays. Will you take it? If you don't ask, you don't get And then if you believe that that's what um, you've done the research, um, meaning you Googled the CPT codes and what Medicare pays for them, then, and you believe that the actual fair number is $3,000, say, look, this is all I'm willing to pay, take it or leave it. And, you know, you'll give me a 70% discount if I pay you in full now. Yeah. For someone at that step two of comparing to Medicare prices, where can they go to find that information? To go back to the car (laughs) illustration, is there like a healthcare blue book? (laughs) Actually, there is a healthcare blue book. You can start there, but that the healthcare blue book um, looks at the prices that are paid or charged and paid in that particular region where you live. Mm-hmm. Medicare does a little bit of tweaking based on regions, but not a whole lot. So I usually tell people to go to healthcare.gov okay. is the, the big one where I tell people they can start uh, their search mm-hmm. for the actual awesome. prices that um, uh, Medicare pays for uh, certain services, CPT codes, ser- oh, uh, services. Yeah, so that's where the, having that code comes in handy. To you need to have that code. That's why it's step mm-hmm. one, call them. You know, the first step is easy, just a phone call. Yeah, you know, you're going to be on hold, you know, while you're in front of the TV, just put the TV on mute and in a commercial and call, you know, just and then watch. And then when they come and they pick up, you know, 10 minutes later, 15, 20 minutes later, however long it is, you can put your TV on mute and talk to them and say, I need a real bill of CPT codes. Mhm mhm nice yeah you know what else i need every week it's it's on the same level as this conversation <laughs> the, the bill, bill of the week, week. that's right it's time for the best minute of your entire week maybe a baby was born and his name is william Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Dr. Virgie, every week we invite um, our listeners and our guests to share with us their Bill of the Week. And we, as a billing expert, we are very excited to hear what your bill is Mm. for the week. 
So uh, my bill, actually, I talk about it in my book, How to Crush Medical Debt, or I call it just crush medical debt, what your doctor wants you know to crush medical debt. And I talk about it because it is a subset, a great example of what we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, which is surprise bills. So surprise bills, as I said, is when you go to an in-network provider and or hospital facility, but they have out-of-network docs taking care of you, providing the service. Okay, so that's a subset of balanced billing. Balanced billing is when you go to an in-network provider, meaning they accept your insurance, and they send you a bill for the real, what I call MRSP, right, uh, as we were talking about cars, full manufacturer retail sticker price. They send you a bill for the balance between what their retail, <laughs> their full price. I laugh, so I don't cry, really. And um, they send you a bill for the provider, send you a bill for their full price, even though they're a network of their provider. So let's say that, just to keep the math simple, say that uh, I go get care and the insurance pays $10 for this particular CPT code right? This particular service, but the provider's full price is a hundred dollars. So instead of saying, oh, we're a network, we've agreed to accept whatever they pay for their members as payment in full, we accept that $10 and it is what it is, right? They send you a, a bill for the balance, which is $90, right? That is balanced billing. So the reason why that's important is, and we talked about the surprise billing as a, as a type of balanced billing. The reason why that's important is because we can imagine it's if it's just you know a hundred dollars or two hundred. Never say never put just in front of money, right? If it's just you know a hundred or two hundred dollars, eh, okay, you know it's gonna you're not gonna be happy about it. But if it's thousands of dollars for the services, that's that'll put you in bankruptcy land, debt land, really quick, right? So anyway, so my medical bill mistake of the week is <laughs> I went to a hospital for emergency surgery and I got a balance bill. They tried to balance bill me. Uh, they said my, <laughs> I always laugh. I, 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 I really, I laugh so I don't cry. They sent me a bill uh, six months later uh, that had one CPT code and the rest was like general, you know, so it wasn't a real bill because it only had like one CPT code describing, you know, an inpatient stay, surgery, all this stuff, right? So I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. This is going to be entertaining for me. So um, they send me a bill for 300 that said, uh, well, our charges for your surgery and all this and the inpatient stay uh, is $351,000. But <laughs> he put a second line in that said, um, this is, quote unquote, insurance adjustments slash payments of like $260,000 or something. And then it says patient, third line, patient responsibility, and up at the top, uh, same number, patient due, you know, within like 30 days or something, you know, low, low price of like almost $90,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So manageable, oh gosh. right? We just yeah. help you out. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I have to say, you know, 
I was, I was laughing because they didn't realize, you know, they're putting one over on the author of what your doctor wants you to know to crush medical debt, right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. crush medical debt. And I was cracking up and I had to, I was, I was working from home that day and I, I had to just let it, I had to talk to someone. So I call my best friend and I tell her the story. I said, I just got a balance bill for $90,000 from this facility that was in network, that is in network with my insurance. And I'm telling her the story and just cracking up laughing. And she finally says, you know, Virgie, you're the only person I know who laughs when everybody else would be curled up in the fetal position in the corner crying. And, you know, I tell this story because it is a perfect example of why we have to educate ourselves. We have to have medical financial literacy, just basic three steps, and it'll save you literally sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. If I'd gone back and applied the three steps, I would have called the provider, asked for CP, a real bill with CPT codes for everything and not just like, I think they gave me a CPT code for like uh, the tissue they took during my surgery and sent it to the lab. They sent me a CPT code. They broke it out with OR, OR services and stay um, three hundred and fifty-one thousand, no, three hundred and fifty thousand and nine, you know, nine hundred, blah, 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 and then CPT code for lab service, pathology oh um, service, forty-four dollars. <laughs> That's I was just like hilarious. that is rich. Hilarious. That is rich. So yeah, if I'd applied, you know, all three steps to that, I would have gotten a real bill, and then I would have figured out that hey, when I've gotten the EOB for my insurance that the number they were actually charging me, that $90,000 was the same number that they sent the insurance company to pay. The insurance company only paid $90,000, probably less. But, you know, Mm -hmm. they figured like nine times out of 10, it works. Wow. And they were going to, I was sent a bill for $90,000 that I didn't owe. Then they sent the same claim, the same bill to my insurance company. So you didn't actually owe any of that? No, I owed nothing. So yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) So a year later, I was talking to my best friend again about something. And I said, you know, well, yeah, that's why, you know, I, you know, I call myself the lady that got out of paying the $90,000 medical bill and you can too. Let me show you how. (laughs) And uh, she says, well, Virgie, um, by the way, she says, you didn't pay that, right? I was like, of course not. I told you I wasn't going to pay that. And she says, well, are, are you sure? Like it didn't get sent to collections. Have you checked your credit report, your credit number, your FICO score? And I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I was like, you're, you know, <laughs> you're talking to the author of Crush Medical Debt, right? I, I said, you know, dude, I just refinanced my mortgage last month. My credit score, my FICO score was they said it went down from the month prior. Um, it was now 841. And I was like, what? I mean, I missed the snapshot. I got a mm-hmm. screenshot and sent it to her. But apparently the month prior, it was 850. So I wow. said, there's no, they didn't say <laughs> it's about, that's what balance billing is. It is, mm-hmm. con- it's, she's a lawyer. She won't let me use the word contract fraud, but let's say it is, um, <laughs> it is, not, uh, it is not in contract. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. uh, wow. if they when they send you a balanced bill, when they send a balanced bill, they, the provider send a balanced bill to, 
um, members of insurance companies who they contracted with to accept their insurance, sending a balance bill is breach of contract. Mm. Yeah. I mean, recognizing that what is happening here with medical billing is not always ethical. And sometimes we think what's illegal is the same thing as unethical, and it's not the same thing. Thank you so much for saying that. And I tell folks this all the time, Jillian. It's like, you know what? The these insurance companies and the providers know it's immoral and unethical but they also know it's not illegal. And they spend a lot of money every year making sure it never becomes illegal. And it's your money they're spending. Exactly. (laughs) Lobbyists, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of Mm -hmm. dollars. Yes, ma'am. Jen, you hit it right on the head. Thanks to Dr. Virgie, we are one step closer to being educated and armed with knowledge. And we don't have to pay that $90,000 medical bill. If you all listening have a similar story to getting out of a $90,000 bill, I mean, definitely call us frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. But if it's anything, if it's a wrong bill, if it's a double bill, it's a double bill that you like. Whatever it it's is, right bill. leave us your bill, frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round. So we are playing, this is a little bit of wait, wait, don't tell me style. Uh, We're talking about negotiating medical bills and debt. Uh, For the lightning round, we want to know what's your best negotiation experience in general. It can be medically related, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, So Dr. Virgie, we will let you go first. What was your best negotiation? My best negotiation is um, probably, and this, <laughs> this is so nothing to do with medical bills because I just described my best negotiation saying, uh, no, I'm not paying any of it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is very funny. This will, this, oh, this will be a great story for my book, but no, you're not getting a dime because you don't owe it. Nice try, but no cigars, my brother used to say. <laughs> yes. But probably my best negotiation is, um, being at a tag sale, a yard sale, and um, getting, they were giving away or, you know, selling a plant or something. And um, I was just talking with them and gave them, you know, a beautiful smile. And they just said, hey, just take it. <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to pay 25th. I, I would have paid whatever. It was a gorgeous little plant to kind of, you know, a tr- like a small tree kind of thing. And they're like, oh, you know what? you've been here before they had a, a sale, you know, prior, a couple months prior. And I bought something. They were like, you know what? Just take it. <laughs> Dr. Virgie, I don't story. know if that's negotiating. <laughs> I think that just might be the beautiful, dis- the being beautiful discount that you got. Yeah, oh, that's I don't know fair. that you had to put okay. in yeah, much work right. for that. If, I would, if I I'll could smile it, and get a discount, I would, that would be my favorite. If I had, that would if for I had sure my old be my smile, favorite. you know, the uh, 12-year-old Virgie smile that wasn't so beautiful, um, then yeah, I'd have to come up with another negotiation. I think just being kind. So yeah, there you go. You know, um, just no negotiation know, necessary kind and, and yes. talking with them and, and, you know, creating relationships. So that's that my is best negotiation a fantastic tip. negotiation <laughs> tip is be kind and friend, like be friendly. Sometimes yeah, it doesn't really even need to get to the combative stage. You just yeah. flash a smile and walk home with if a free lucky, plan. Yeah. So my, my husband says that he says, you know, um, when you're at tag sales and yard sales and that kind of thing, you know, bundle it, you know, uh-huh, well, I bought something already. It. Can you throw in this or, okay, well, this, how much tip. is this? And you already have a couple of things in your hand. And we just did this this uh, past weekend. And he says, well, will you do, I think it was like, she wanted $3 or $5 or something, the third item. And he already had two items in his hand that he didn't, hadn't asked her about the prices for. And he says, well, will you take $10 for all three? She's like, yeah. So that's my negotiation tip. Be kind relationships and um, yeah, bundle. Mm. What about for you, Jen? You love negotiating. Yes. I will say my biggest one has a little bit to do with relationships. Also slightly stalking. Uh Uh, You be the judge. It was our first house. And I wanted that thing so bad. And our realtor at the time very much helped us um, negotiate. But when we got under contract, they still had an open house. And I went to the open house and I like stocked it and and just made sure that nobody else wanted it. And I had talked with the flippers who were also the sellers um, and just found things we had in common. One of them had went to school with my old boss, good old Greg. And they and I, so I just made sure that once the negotiation was like 
done that I really had it on lock. That was that was my favorite negotiation experience. And it it ended up being well, we had no money at the time. We were being kind of forced out of our rental, so we had saved nothing. So we had to figure out how to get the house with little to no money. I mean, that's great when your best negotiation is on your biggest asset, your biggest expense. Yeah. Yeah. And we thought we paid more, but we actually made out really good being like two kids in their 20s getting this like fully flipped house. Uh, so that was that was my favorite. Awesome. Ne- my favorite negotiation experience of Travis's, and this is really the best story, is that Travis sat on the phone with Sprint for six hours one time to end up with two free iPhones. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That was money. I was time well spent for the money that was saved. Right. But who wants to sit on a phone for six hours? Yeah, but think about yeah, it as the was, hourly rate. How much yeah, were those two phones sure. worth? And divide oh, six gosh. into what yeah. is he? So think about his job, what he gets paid, you know, break it down, divide it up his annual salary, divide it monthly, then you can divide it into his hourly rate, right? And then, you know, take that number, compare it to what two iPhones together, at least $700, just to make the math easy, $600. Mm-hmm. So $600 he saved, right? Or got product services worth $600 over six hours. That was $100. He made $100 an hour. An hour. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Amazing. it's crazy. And uh, he wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> but it's, it's a story probably I tell the most about negotiating bills and stuff. Because he just... I I got home. He was on the phone. I left for a girls' night and came back. He was still on the phone. It was an early girls' night. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was mom's. Clearly, night. I, was I wasn't probably. with you on that girls' night. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, that was that's that's the best negotiation experience. It just wasn't my experience. Wow, you learn from it, Jill. You learn yeah. at the knee of the master. That's awesome. I do learn from the master. <laughs> This was something for both Eric and I. We were living in 170 square feet, a tiny little trailer camper, and working from home, like working remotely. So you can imagine what that looked like for both of us to be working in 170 square feet. So we needed an office space. So we were looking at rentals and ended up finding this amazing renovated barn at a very reasonable rate for us to be able to work there. Well, it was also on lots of acreage and it looked like a perfect place to also park our RV. So we negotiated for them to allow us to park our RV on the property, use the barn, the renovated barn for our co-working space for the same price <laughs> that they were hoping oh. to get out of renting out the the space. Just like, will you let us also live there at no cost? <laughs> and they did. And you know what, Dr. Hopefully. Virgie, it might have been some extra smiles that <laughs> got us that Flash one. Because this could be a long-term relationship do that? if we're renting your office space. So why don't you throw in a place for us to live too? 
There you go. Yeah. Bundling. Bundling. Yes, it, w- it was bundling. And really, they needed someone really specific to be able to rent because they had young kids who were playing in the driveway. So they didn't want a company renting who was in and out of the driveway a lot. We were really quiet. We kept to ourselves. It's what allowed us to be able to afford the office space and still live in the trailer. So that was probably our best negotiation. Yeah, we'll rent this space from you. Can we also live here in our RV right next door (laughs) for no extra cost? (laughs) They were awesome. Became friends, which was great. So... Oh, I love it. I love these stories. Dr. Virgie, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people get more from you and get your fantastic book? Uh, you can go to crushmedicaldebt.com. And on Thursdays on voiceamerica.com at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, um, you can find me at the Ask a Doctor What Your Doctor Wants You to Know with Dr. Virgie show. Awesome. Yes. And definitely check out uh, your book, Crush Medical Debt. It's available at Amazon and it's going to help so many people really escape this uh, this crushing medical debt. So thank you again, Dr. Virgie. Now, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun talking with you ladies. I really appreciate all that you guys do. Likewise, Dr. Virgie. Thanks for being here. Oh, that was, uh, I think we were both taking notes during that episode. (laughs) And sometimes I take notes for the show notes, and sometimes I take notes just for myself. And that was a taking notes just for myself Mm -hmm. kind of episode. I have a handful of takeaways from this. I mean, her, her, just her three steps. And I think that is the biggest takeaway, just to remember the CPT codes, the looking up, the Medicare rate, the calling and negotiating. And and then getting on an interest rate payment plan if I can't pay it all in full. I mean, that in and of itself, that's just gold that I know I am going to need that information. So absolutely. Bookmark. If you don't this need it episode. now, you will need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send it to your friends. Send it to your family. This is going to be a really important episode. Because if you don't need it now, you'll need it in the future. Yeah. And I love what she, you know, she didn't highlight this a a ton in the episode. I know we talked about it before we pressed record, but being proactive about it too. If we're listening in our 20s, 30s, even 40s and in good health, sometimes we don't think about this and Mm -hmm. we may not have insurance or we have insurance with a very, very high deductible. And so just considering taking a look at that now, even if this the topic of medical debt isn't relevant to you now, making sure that you've got the insurance and good insurance and putting money aside for some of those medical concerns so that you can be proactive rather than reactive. Certainly glad to help when we are in those situations of medical debt. But if we're not, then let's take the time now to put things in place so that that won't become a crushing circumstance for us us in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Many of you know, we have a private community where we do monthly money challenges and have accountability groups. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win. Um, This one's from Corey K. And this was in reference to our mindset makeover challenge we did in July. 
And she says, I've gotten through eight of the journaling prompts as of right now. And I noticed how much of a fixed mindset I had about money and the opportunity to earn it. These prompts so far have opened my mind to more things about how I got to a fixed mindset about money. And they've helped turn it around to a new perspective. And I reflect on my gratitude for different situations. I have loved reflecting on the things I have learned and quote unquote failed. Moving forward, I will be more intentional and more upfront with my gratitude for myself and others. Congratulations, Corey. You are just Mm. ripping through those questions and that challenge. That was so fun to see. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. If you want to check out our monthly challenge community, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to see what challenge we have coming up next. See you next week or whenever the next time is that you listen to this because we coming out two times a week now. Tuesday and Friday. See you Tuesday and Friday. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. Jen, mm. this has nothing to do with medical debt, but I am proud of myself because it just happened and it's relevant. Eric and I are going to a wedding this weekend and he needed a new suit because the one that he had for the last 10 years no longer fits him. You know, it shrunk. He didn't get bigger. It shrunk. He Mm -hmm. said it shrunk. I believe him. Yeah. And meanwhile, I, I don't have a lot of fancy clothes. I wear a lot of dresses, but they are just your classic summer dress. Mm -hmm. Usually they work for an outdoor back backyard wedding, which I do find myself at a decent amount. Yeah. You know, too many dating people. And yet I did not get a new dress. He was even saying, you might want to consider getting a new dress. I'm like, no, there is something in my closet. There's, there is just something in my closet. I'm going to make something in my closet work. No one no one's going to care, really. No one's going to mm-hmm. notice that much. Even if I wear, I probably will end up wearing a dress or a skirt shirt combo that I wore to another wedding that this same bride and groom were at. So, But you know what? It's their wedding day. They're, They're not, not going to notice that I'm They're wearing the same thing I wore to another mutual friend's wedding. And you know, it's not the fanciest thing and it's a we a, a rewear, but I have completely flipped the script from I have nothing to wear and and I need to buy something new or I want to buy something new to I do have something to wear because I've been to five other weddings this year and I found something in my closet. So I'll find something in my closet again. Yeah. And I am. So there you go. There's the tie into the mindset, the mindset challenge. And what Even have you ever with remembered? my husband telling me I should go get a new dress. I was like, no, I've got something when, in my closet. I got something When to have wear. you ever remembered what anyone wore to a wedding ever? Even the bride. Sometimes I don't remember what the dress looks like. I have. I, I have remembered. I'm not going to lie. So It's usually, oh. though, when someone looks stunning and it stands out to me. And we'll just never look stunning and no one will remember. Yeah, well, attraction is a spectrum. And when I notice someone wearing something that is particularly lovely, it stands out to me. But I'm not going to be mad if I see them wearing it again. You're going to be delighted. Exactly. So it's happening. I I'm taking something in my closet and I'm 
I'm stuck with it, whether I like it or not. You get to wear it. I get You're to wear it. You're not stuck with it. You get to wear it. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I I don't have time to even now go go to the store. So I have to find something in my closet. And I will, because I have before. I believe in you. Thank you. Okay, bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.